0: I invite you to take your Bibles to turn to Romans, chapter 15. Romans, chapter 15. And the first thing I want to do on this unveiling morning for the Master Planning Team vision mission document is to put the very concept of mission statements into a biblical framework. I want to ask the question, have we done a biblical thing in devoting eight months plus to laboring and praying and thinking and analyzing and studying and formalizing and writing down a mission statement give direction to our ministry. Paul talks about his ministry. Let's start at verse 18. I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. Now stop there and think. The stress in that verse is very clear. It's on Christ working through Paul. Whatever and however his ministry and his mission got to be, it isn't a self-started, self-designed, self-sustained thing. This is a work of Christ here, right? I'm not going to speak of anything except what Christ worked through me. If If I did anything... Without him, I'm not going to talk about it because it is worthless. Okay? Verse 19. In the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem, down in southern Palestine, round about as far as Illyricum, you know where that is? Bosnia. From Jerusalem, from Palestine to Bosnia-Herzegovina, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so he's continuing on in this verse 19, emphasizing God does the signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit enables me to press on and preach over that whole distance, accomplishing his purposes. Now, he talks about his role. His thought, his intentionality, his mind in verses 20 and 21. Thus, I aspired. Now, I I wonder what version you have. Uh, A good literal translation of that word would be, it was my ambition. I aspired, it was my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named that I might not build on another man's foundation, but as it is written. And then he quotes Isaiah 52. They who had no news of him shall see and they who have not heard shall understand. Now, notice there's two things out of those two verses. Number one, Paul has a clear aim And purpose in view for his mission. Doesn't he? He does not wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, I don't know what to do today. You know, tell me. He doesn't do that. He probably did that once. And he may do it at a sub-level of practicalities. But he's not in any confusion about what his life is about. I have made it my ambition, my goal, my aim, my aspiration to do one thing. Herald the gospel where other people haven't heralded it. That's a clear, crystal, clear goal. Second observation. He based it, he got it from meditating upon Scripture. Scripture that applies to the Messiah. This is the second time I've seen this in a week, reading through the Bible. He did it in Isaiah forty nine six, when he quotes that in a sermon in Acts thirteen, and he did it now in Isaiah fifty two, verse fifteen, where he quotes it here in Romans fifteen twenty one. You get the impression, it's not just an impression, it had to be. Paul meditated on the Bible. And as he read the book of Isaiah, with prophecies about what Messiah, the light coming into the world, was going to do, he said, I'm part of the body of the Messiah. The Messiah met me on the Damascus road. The Messiah rescued me from aimlessness and purposelessness. His mission must be my mission. And so he roots his particular goal in life in Scripture. Now, not everybody... Reading that verse in Isaiah 52 should do what Paul did. Timothy, he said, Timothy, you stay at Ephesus and you put things together there. And he said to Titus, you stay on Crete and you you call elders and you put that together there. And John Piper, you stay there, at least for now. And don't go to Kazakhstan or you do that. You do the Timothy thing until I tell you otherwise. But Paul... Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, He read the Bible and read that verse and He said, That's me! And some of you have read it and said, It's me! And you're going, you're gone. Nobody's stopping you. From this, and I'd, I'd love to give you a half a dozen other examples, but we'll stop right here because I'm going to get into this booklet. From this, I have concluded I concluded two years ago, it is biblical to have a mission statement. You need one for your life. You need to think that when you're dying, I hope they remember me for this. Well, how would you finish that sentence? I hope they remember me for this. I hope one of the fallouts of a church mission statement is a lot of personal mission statements. I hope when you go home today, you're asking, huh. I wonder if I could make that church mission statement my life mission statement. Or some version of it. You need a mission statement. And so I do believe it is biblical. The master planning team that has labored together, prayed together for these since last October believes that Christ came and worked with us, in us, on us, and through us, and helped us with this booklet. We prayed a lot. We studied. We studied you. Remember all those surveys last November? We had a Sunday morning one and a bunch of others. Hundreds of pages we read and We listened. We analyzed you. We analyzed the people in the community with different kind of tools. We sought scriptures. We looked at history, the history of this church. We looked at our weaknesses and our strengths and felt them painfully at times and talked to you about them. And then, this is the image I felt recently, we took our finger and we put it in three places. We put it. As best as we could see it on the pulse of God. You ever try to get your finger on the pulse of God? On his neck. And then we tried to get our hand on your pulse. Because we believe God speaks through people. And then we tried to get our hand on our pulse. As a body of 20, 23 people that met every other week or so. For all that time. And when those pulse beats. Came together. We felt we were getting real close. To God's. Passion for this church. So you got the fruit. Of that pulse beat as we read it. In your hand here. And what I want to do. Is. Is plead with you not to make hasty leaps of agreement or disagreement. If you make a hasty leap, oh, I like it, I like it, I like it, looks nice, too, you won't last. It took us eight months of Prayer and tears and argument and discussion and draft and discussion and redraft and discussion and redraft and redraft. It took a long time. I do not expect you to go out of here this morning saying without any long prayerful reflection, oh, I am in." I don't expect that. In fact, it would be dangerous if you made precipitous judgments. But I do expect you. To listen, pray, think, and open yourself with the master planning team to what we believe God has said. That's what I'm hoping. So I'm going to preach on this till Christmas. Preach on this. And, God willing, I'm going to write a study guide for your family. The first weeks is written and is out there on the table, right? I wrote it anyway. I assume it's out there. A study guide for every day this week through Saturday. Next week I will have another one. And the study guide covers this page. And that's the page I'm going to preach on next Sunday. That page right there. This morning is overview. So that's my plan, to preach on it. And to provide a study guide. And then there'll be other times of feedback and discussion. We are a congregational church. Which means that under Jesus Christ, we, be, we believe God speaks with most authority through the body. Which means that this body constitutionally has commissioned elders to lead. But the final say under Christ still resides with the body. And therefore, the elders assembled some of you, 20 of you or so, to work with them. Then they read and they meditated and they studied over this. And now about 30 people have said yes to this document to present it back to the body from which those people came. And the issue will be, will God in these next two or three months, will God cause the body to feel that we got the pulse beat right we cannot force that on you. If we wanted to, we couldn't. And we don't want to. The only person that can do what this document is about is God the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we will give him the time he wants to do it. The issue is, will we feel it together? Will we see it together, the process is only halfway over. There was an analysis phase, there was a visioning phase, the fruit of which is in your hands, and if you want to see it, on the information table as you leave is a sheet of paper with that many names on it, full of names. Seventeen sub-planning groups have been appointed by the elders from you to take this document now and between now and December flesh out concrete implementation plans. This is not a blueprint. This is a conceptual design. You can't jump straight from this into particular activities without some planning. Some thinking through application. That's the phase we're in now as we educate and seek the Lord's face about harmonizing and uniting around this document. So if you'd like to see who the people are that are on these Resource development, racial reconciliation, staffing and structure, evangelism and home missions, foreign missions, college age ministry, music and worship, urban ministry, helping hand, children's ministry, moms, senior adults, relationships of love, youth ministry, desiring God ministries and pastoral care. If you'd like to see who are the lay people and staff and elders that are on all of these, you can pick up a sheet when you leave and you can. All the phone numbers are here and all the input that you get out of this. You want to feed into that planning process you can do by using that sheet of paper. Well, I hope that gives you a little orientation of where we've been, where we are right now. And I ask you to take it in your hands now. And I'm going to walk you through it as much as we have time for and give you some personal perspectives on it, how to use it, how to understand it. We'll read parts of it. I was going to read the whole thing, but when I prepared, I gave it up. Couldn't do it. So we got to save some up for later. The first thing I want to do is give you the bird's eye overview. And we'll just look at the top of each page. Page one says, Bethlehem Baptist Church, our mission. This front page is what we mean when we say mission statement. This is the mission statement. Open it now. It's page two. Inside the front cover, at the top of the page, it says The spiritual dynamic that drives our mission. One page. Next page. Chapter chapter and verse. This is not the Bible. Way down the list from the Bible. Top of that page. Fresh initiatives for the immediate future of our mission. Turn the page. Page four, the values that manifest our mission. There are 72 value statements here under categories like values relating to relationships of our life together. Values relating to Bethlehem's spiritual atmosphere. Values relating to the larger Christian movement and world outside. And on page six, values relating to corporate worship. That's what I'm not going to read this morning. Page seven, at the top of the page, a reaffirmed vision to focus our mission. And the rest is notes of explanation from the footnotes. So there are five parts to this master planning team document, a mission statement, a spiritual dynamic, fresh initiatives, value statements and a reaffirmed older vision. So that's the overall structure of the booklet, plus notes of explanation. Now let's start, and I want to take you through four of them, and show you what they mean in brief before we unpack them in detail in the weeks to come, and gather our hearts around them, and brainstorm and plan about the implications of these things for where God is leading us as a church. Let me read to you this front page. Our mission... Is to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples. This is our ultimate reason for being. If you were to ask me, would you get that? Who'd you borrow that from? We did borrow it. And I got his permission. It's God's mission statement. And I don't mean to pull rank there and say it's God's mission statement for Bethlehem. I mean, it's God's mission statement for God. And he said we could use it. And I'll explain that next Sunday. This is straight out of the Bible as God's mission statement for God. If you want to just paraphrase, God exists to spread a passion for the supremacy of God In all things for the joy of all peoples. That is why God exists. That is what drives the engine of the heart of God. And so as I was praying and we as a group were praying, whose mission statement shall we use? The answer was, let's use God's mission statement. God exists and has an unbelievable passion for his glory. And he wants us to join him in spreading that passion for that glory in every area of life to every people on this planet. Eighteen words. This is what I want everybody to be able to say by heart. Soon. I don't expect you to memorize anything else in here. This I want us to know by heart. We exist. Sorry, sorry, Tom. We exist to spread. I'm gonna take every one of these words and unpack them next week. To spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples. That's why we exist. Now, I wanna live for that. I will live for that. Have you ever thought what the power is of a singular, brief, focused, prayed over life mission statement is? The power of a life mission statement. To wake up in the morning and know what you're about. To go to bed at night and know what you've been about. To get up and know what you're about. And to go to bed and know what you've been about. And at lunch to know what you're about. The power of a life mission statement. I've got one. And that's it. And it isn't copyrighted. It's God's. And he wants everybody to have some form of it. The question will be. Will it become, will God make it a common life mission statement? So that as a church, we get up in the morning and know what we're about. And as a church, we go into every committee meeting and we know what we're about. We go to every small group meeting and we know what we're about. We gather in worship and we know what we're about. And we can say it in 18 words. If somebody asks us on the street downtown, what's your church about? We can say we exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of our great God. In all things, including your life and our business down here, for the joy of everybody around here and all the nations all over the world. That's why we exist. You can memorize that. You can get on board with that. Let's pray that God will do it. Page two. as Harvey says the spiritual dynamic that drives our mission I'll read it we join God the father in magnifying the supremacy of his glory through our Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit by treasuring all that God is loving all whom he loves Praying for all his purposes. Meditating on all his word. Sustained by all his grace. Now what is that? Why is that here? (laughs) We're breaking all the rules with this document. Our consultant was pulling his hair out. This isn't the way you do it. You get it on one sheet... Maximum three paragraphs. And we've got a 12-page document. We broke all the rules. It's long. It's theological. It's carefully worded. It is, in a word, Bethlehem. This this book smells like Bethlehem. It looks like Bethlehem. The very existence of this weird, out-of-step way of doing it that... Put stumbling blocks in some and makes others blame is, you just gotta say, well, is this the kind of church I want to be a part of? Footnotes. Can you believe footnotes in a mission statement? But, back to page two. Why is that here? That doesn't belong. That doesn't belong. You know what that is? This is basic Christianity. If somebody says, Okay, I heard I heard your mission. But what does it mean to be a Christian? How do you live the Christian life? I'm I don't I mean Christian is just a word to me. What does it mean to be a Christian? How do you do it? How do you do Christianity? This is the answer. It means we want to show how great God is, and we do it by treasuring everything about Him, and by loving each other and our enemies. And by praying like crazy that it helped us do that and then going to his word and meditating and memorizing and trying to find out what he's like and then realizing that we can't do it and depending entirely on grace. That's what it means to be a Christian. Now, if you say, well, why, why is it in here? Because the way I'm wired and I I offered it and they said, sure. The way I'm wired is. If something is worth. A billion dollars. And something is worth a thousand dollars. And you're going to put your values together in a booklet. You don't leave out the thing worth a million dollars. I couldn't. You see, if you tore off the front cover. And you had this. The mission statement. And you had this. And you threw the rest away. you have everything. And if you lost page two. And you tweaked the system. You'd have nothing. This is everything. This is my life. This is Christianity. This is the Bible. This is all. This is an effort to sum up the most. This is 10,000 times more valuable than all the adjustments in the way we flesh it out in the rest of the book. I couldn't. It's just, how can you do that? You see, all over the world, there are churches and institutions that are taking for granted the most precious things and putting other things in their mission statements. And I I write to, I won't name it, but I write to an organization that's a world organization with millions and millions and millions of members. And I write to the U.S. director and say, Christ and God in the Bible were not mentioned in your mission statement. I couldn't even tell it was Christian. Is that a problem? And he writes back, oh, we assume that, of course, we assume that. And I scream, God does not like to be assumed. We exist to spread a passion for his supremacy. You don't put him under the table. And you don't put the Christian life under the table. So that's why it's here. It is so important that we learn what it is to be a Christian. I want Bethlehem to be a church full of Christians before we're Baptists or before we're anything else. Christians who love the Bible and who love each other. Who pray and depend on grace and treasure God. It's real important. I'm going to preach four Sundays, Lord willing. Four Sundays on that page. The next page takes a turn in the document. Page three, fresh initiatives for the immediate future of our mission. A very, very important turn in the document at this fold. In a sense, the first two pages are old, old, old glorious stuff at Bethlehem. It's not new. That's just great, great ground. What comes now is not new and it's not old, it's a new application of the old. The process by which this was arrived at was the longest, hardest, richest, best experience of our life together as a, a master planning team. We put our finger on the pulse of God, we put our finger on the pulse of the congregation, the, We put our finger on our own pulse as best we could read when we felt the pulse. This is it. This right here. This is the immediate spirit that we we felt moving at Bethlehem. So I want to read it with you. We'll read the left column and then we'll go up and we'll read the six initiatives. Our mission and spiritual dynamic, the first two pages, declare that the all-satisfying supremacy of God shines most brightly through sacrificial deeds of joyful love. The cry of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of our people is for a fresh, decisive emphasis on relationships of love. If that is not true, we really missed it. We really missed it. If that's true, then your heart should leap up that we were in the right place when God spoke. Therefore, we eagerly embrace God's call for new, visible manifestations of love toward each other. Our guests and our neighbors with a fresh openness and outgoing spirit to each other and to all new people. We henceforth put understanding above accusation, forbearance above fault finding and biblical unity above the demand for uniformity. I plead with you in the coming weeks always to read column two, the six points under the shadow of column one. Number one, fresh initiatives, the value of relationships. We will take new practical steps to develop an atmosphere where personal, deepening, supportive, faith-building relationships of love are highly valued as expressions of our passion for the supremacy of God's love. Number two, urban-suburban partnership. Did you see the editorial in yesterday's Tribune? That was the title of it, almost word for word. And appeal to the churches to do it. Go back and read Saturday's editorial. We will strive to forge a mutually enriching urban suburban partnership in which a significant range of racially, educationally, and economically diverse people feel at home as they grow. In their passion for the supremacy of God. Number three. Interracial reconciliation. Against the rising spirit of indifference, alienation, and hostility in our land, we will embrace the supremacy of God's love to take new steps personally and corporately toward racial reconciliation expressed visibly in our community, and in our church. Four, diversity in God-centered worship. Sunday morning worship is a corporate expression of our passion for the supremacy of God. We sense God's leading to develop fresh expressions of this passion that, one, allow for a more focused and free lingering of love in the presence of the Lord, Two, reflect musically the diversity of our congregation and our metropolitan culture. Three, interweave the values of intense God-centeredness with and more personal ministry to each other in the power of the Holy Spirit. Five, good news to the poor. We will develop new strategies For proclaiming the all-satisfying supremacy of God's love and justice to the poor. Through, one, personal involvement. Two, a more welcoming atmosphere. Three, local missionary strategies of urban disciple-making. Four, equipping missionaries for unreached urban peoples. And finally, number six, challenging church and culture with the truth. We will challenge our culture and the wider Christian movement in fresh ways with the biblical truth of God's all satisfying supremacy by courageous Christian action and speech in the secular world. Now, I hope that it won't take you long from a biblical standpoint to embrace enthusiastically page one and two. I hope that you dwell long over page three until every word of it. Just to illustrate, we gave this to our graphic artist a few weeks ago, and uh, he's a very good graphic artist and a professional who does this sort of thing all the time. And he totally misunderstood my instructions, and he went home and he he rewrote the whole thing in the way he thought it would be best presented. See, it, it is not. The way graphic artists or or uh, consultants do it is too big. So he stripped it down and he put words and catchphrases and bullets. And and I, I got it back. He said, this may take a while for us to discuss. And I said, it's really not going to take any time because you can't change a word in here. <laughs> I, I know this guy. Is, this is all very happy. He said, I said, I really am sorry. This cannot be tampered with in one syllable. And the reason is because blood, sweat, and tears went into every phrase on this page. Get it? These did not come from anybody's, oh, let's try that. Let's try that. Week after week after week, we labored. Ten Is this God? Is this the direction? Is this the way to say it? Is this rightly balanced? Should that be included? This was not easy. So you went back and did this. And you did a good job. I'm going to skip over the values. Although I'm going to say one or two things about the values. In fact, I'm going to say four things about the values. Why are they here? Why 72 value statements? Number one, the fresh initiatives on page three are the aroma that percolated up. Out of the boiling of 72 value statements for weeks. The order that it occurs in this book is not the way it happened. The order that it occurred was dumping before one another values after value after value. Getting into small groups, praying over them, writing them down, trying to prioritize them. And percolating up out of all of that came page three. But we... We thought you needed to know that and see that. That's my first reason. Second reason for having it in the book is that it will function as a practical guidance and boundary for the implementation of page three. So if you have questions about what page three means, you flip over to similar kinds of statements in the values and you find them and say, "Oh, oh, I see. The value this and this, but not this and this and so on." And it gives boundary and guidance and direction for implementation. The third reason for the values is that it provides a bigger picture of the broad concerns of our church. It's it's an answer to the question of somebody at your office or your neighborhood who says, can you really boil down what Christians care about to a page or two? And you say, well, not really. If you want to see the real scope of the kind of things we, we care about, here's 72 of them. Now, not everybody's going to ask that question, but some people ask that kind of question. There is a broader, bigger, bigger set of concerns that we have than what we can cram into one fresh initiatives page or mission statement or spiritual dynamic. And the last reason is that it keeps before us. The range of possibilities onto which the Holy Spirit might say at any given time in the history of this church. December 1988, do that better or do more of that. In other words, here comes 1997 and we've been sailing with this fresh initiatives through 96 and things are happening. And suddenly at a prayer meeting, God arrives and he says, you're starting to slack off on number 19. I want a prayer ministry behind number. I, I don't have a That's 19 out of the hat. I don't know what 19 is. Just do that. Do that now. So it's there for God to move over and waken us to. The last thing is to turn to page seven. A reaffirmed vision to focus our mission is this. To spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, we gladly embrace with fresh zeal. The sending and harvesting goals of 2,000 by 2,000. Now, if you want to know what those goals are, turn to the back page. Page 10. Many of you are newer at this church than this vision. You see there, in January of 1990, during the days of prayer and fasting, we believe God burdened us with an exciting vision that we should pray and labor toward sending 2,000 of our people away from us. And harvesting 2,000 unbelievers into the fellowship of God through the gospel. There is where we are as of August 31st, 1995. 467 spent in these various ways. And 178 professions of faith at mid-decade. As the master planning team prayed and said... What's our vision? What's our vision? We could not escape that what God had given to us in 1990, for the decade, he had not withdrawn. He had not withdrawn it. And therefore, with fresh zeal, we took hold of 2,000 by 2,000, and we said yes to it again. At mid-course, we are what? 17%? In harvesting, and 40%? No, 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 no. It's lower than that. I'm I'm working with a 1,000. So half of those numbers. Low. We are not there. Which means this is an incredibly challenging embracing of an old, God-given mission for our church. To send 2,000 of our people by 2,000 A.D. And to harvest, this will require... Mega prayer, mega dollars, mega personnel, parents saying farewell to kids, kids farewell to parents and some other big changes. As I thought about it again yesterday, several things came to mind. Two thousand by two thousand is a way of saying we are not playing games on page one here. We really mean to put our mouth, our money where our mouth is. The rubber hits the road at 2,000 by 2,000 when you come down out of the skies with page one. Second, 2,000 by 2,000 gives a world thrust to the fresh initiatives here. The way to understand it, in my mind anyway, is that page three, fresh initiatives, is a retooling and a refurbishing of the launching pad of page seven. Two thousand by two thousand. Years ago, those of you who've been around, we used to talk about Bethlehem as a launching pad. And God did a great launching. Two thousand by two thousand is part of that. And now we're talking about refurbishing the launching pad in these six ways, as well as that being part of the harvesting and sending. And the last thing to say about two thousand by two thousand is that it shows whether we value our values or not. Would you, would we as a church be authentic in saying we value these 72 things for us and we don't care if unreached peoples have them? God help us. If we if we say we like to have children's ministries, we like to have teenagers who are hard after God. We like to have college students on fire for God. And it doesn't matter whether any churches exist in 50,000 villages in India for their kids and their teenagers to go to heaven, let alone have these values built into their lives. It doesn't really matter. Well, it matters if we believe in 2000 by 2000. And so the whole document hangs together. Every piece hangs on another piece. Let me close with a, just a brief testimony of what this means to me personally. Um, I love this document. I love what God did on the master planning team. My life mission is page one. And for it's easy for me to embrace it. I love it. The process of the master planning team was a spiritual journey for me. God met me again and again on those Saturday mornings. He strengthened me again and again. He encouraged me again and again. He redirected me again and again. He corrected me again and again. I met God in that master planning team process in ways that I haven't met him in other processes in times gone by. And now that it's over and this is on the paper and we hold it in our hands. I think I have about 15 years left of pastoral ministry. I'm almost 50. And when I ask the Lord... What should I do with the last 15? I gave the last 15 to this church and I've got 15 more. And when I think about it in that way, I've been here 15 years. I've got 15 more years of active ministry. Perhaps that sounds incredibly short because I can remember like it was yesterday, Char, our search committee meetings. I mean, it's like yesterday sitting with Char and some of the others in Marvin's house. Talking about whether I should come to this church. That's how little time I have left. I want to do this with you. Lest God zaps me with a bolt of lightning. I'd like to live for this. I'm sure we'll have some new pieces to it over the years. But right now, this is what I will live for. And I'd like you to join me. Father, life is short. Some of us, I would guess, dozens of us will die before the decade is over. And we want to live while we live with all our might. We want to devote ourselves to something that matters, Father. So please, draw near.